G'day. Welcome to God's Word Today's World, applying scripture to modern life. My name is Dan Van Werkhoven. I'm an Aussie writer and pastor living with my wife on a tiny island called Saipan. Join me today as I dig into scripture and explore how God's Word can still be applied to our lives thousands of years later. Hey, you're listening to episode 27 of the God's Word Today's World podcast. In today's episode, we're looking at how two prominent figures in the early church had a strong disagreement. What's so interesting about this situation is they were both right. Well, mostly. They knew where God was leading each of them, but they missed the mark on how God was going to get them there. And there's a lot we can learn from the mistakes that they made here. If you want access to the show notes and the full transcript, you can find those over at www.godswordtodaysworld.com forward slash listen and look for episode 27 on the list. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by leaving a rating and review on iTunes and sharing to a friend who you think might be interested. But without further ado, let's dig in. Last week, in episode 26 of the God's Word Today's World podcast, we looked at how a rift was forming in the early church between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. The Jewish believers wanted the Gentiles to follow a long list of rules and abide by their culture and upbringing. The Gentile believers, however, had no such restraints. They had a great deal of freedom in how to live because they didn't have the same set of laws and regulations that the Jewish believers had. And so there was tension. Both were trying to force their ideals on the other. But James, one of Jesus' younger brothers, an elder of the, in the Jerusalem church, steps up and says, Hey, fellow Jews, let's not make life any harder for our Gentile brothers and sisters. But to our Gentile brothers and sisters in Christ, here are a few things that you can do to really help bring peace between our different cultures. What we can take away from James's words is that yes, we do have a great deal of freedom as Christians, but our freedom to live certain ways comes second to loving our brothers and sisters in Christ as Jesus loves us. And Jesus loved us to the point that he left heaven, came to earth, was tortured and eventually killed for us. He died to pay the price for our mistakes and sins. Then God rose him again on the third day and Jesus defeated death. Because of that, we have the free gift of salvation. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Son of God, we can have salvation. That's how far Jesus went to everyone who puts their faith in him. But how far do we go to show those around us love? Are we willing to give up things that we enjoy because it makes our brother or sister in Christ uncomfortable or tempts them to do something that they believe is a sin? Because we should be willing to sacrifice our freedoms for the sake of others. Jesus certainly did for us. The apostles did for us. They died so we could have the gospel. They died so the early church could have the gospel. What are you willing to do to love those around you? 
What are you willing to give up to love those around you? Those were the questions we looked at last week in episode 26. This week, we're continuing to look at how to handle tension between believers. And our passage today is Acts chapter 15, verses 30. So, yeah, Acts chapter 15, verses 38 through to chapter 16, verse 15. And this is from the NIV today. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him, because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers in Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Samothrace. The next day, we went to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thytria, named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So, after last week's look at peace between believers, we pick back up at the end of chapter 15, with Paul and Barnabas having such a sharp dispute that they parted company. Now, Paul was a man who understood second chances. God had given him a very impressive second chance. So I assume that he had a really good reason for being wary of taking Mark with them on the missionary journey. 
He had some reason to believe that Mark would make their journey harder, especially given that the plan was to return to cities that had tried to kill them. But Barnabas, the son of encouragement, he always saw the good in people. He saw the good in Paul at first and gave Paul a chance. And now he sees the good in Mark, despite whatever it is that Mark has done. And he is determined to give Mark the same chance he gave Paul. But what's so interesting is that God had a purpose here. I believe that God had put a mission on each of their hearts. But because of their friendship and desire to continue working together, they were trying to force what they wanted into God's plan. But I think God's plan all along was that they parted ways. Their time working together had come to an end, and they each had someone else to focus on, to mentor. What I believe happened here is that God had put mentoring Mark on Barnabas's heart. Barnabas deeply desired to see Mark become a man that even Paul would be proud to call a companion and great support. But God had put on Paul's heart the desire to go back into the mission field, to go into the tough, dangerous places and minister to those in need of the gospel, a task which Paul didn't believe Mark would be capable of at that point in time. And neither of them were necessarily wrong. They were just trying to force their idea of how to do that on God. And when they disagreed, instead of working for peace, they focused on their own own opinions instead of saying, you know what? God's telling me to go here. Maybe it's time for us to part so you can take Mark and disciple him and I can take someone else and disciple them while I revisit the churches we planted. The reason I believe they were both right, Barnabas in wanting to disciple Mark and Paul in wanting to go back and revisit the churches that established earlier, is this. Both their journeys were blessed. It's easy to see that Paul was right in his desire to head back to the churches because through the passage that we just read today, we see how God guided his journey, turning him aside from his original plans, but taking him to where the Holy Spirit was already working in people's hearts. Paul and Silas, and later Timothy and Luke, took the gospel to all new people, and many put their faith in Jesus. The gospel traveled far and wide because of that journey, and because they were willing to follow where God was leading because they were willing to give up on the original plans when they realized that God had something different, something better in mind. But that initial desire to head out again was a desire God put on Paul's heart. And it shows, because the journey was incredibly fruitful. It was something that God led. And there is so much I could dig into in the start of chapter 16 with the three small stories. I could probably do an entire sermon on each of them, but the overarching theme that I see today is what we talked about, that the gospel spread, and not by the plans made by men, but by God's guidance. Time and again, Paul and his companions tried to go somewhere and were redirected, which is a really good mini point that I'd want to make. We can make all the plans in the world But we need to trust that we won't always get it right and be ready to make an abrupt change of direction 
when God reveals where he actually wants us to go. But back to Paul and Barnabas' difference of opinion. For Paul, it's easy to see that his journey was blessed by God, because great good came from it. However, the fruit of Barnabas' choice to take Mark and disciple him isn't so immediately obvious, because Barnabas is never actually mentioned again in the book of Acts. That being said, we find in other books of the Bible that the time and effort Barnabas put into discipling Mark was well worthwhile because years later, Paul himself asked Timothy to fetch Mark because Mark is very helpful to him in his ministry. We see this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. And this is not the only time that Paul references Mark in a positive light. In Colossians 4.10 and Philemon 24, Paul calls Mark a brother and fellow worker. So evidently, Barnabas' good influence rubbed off on Mark because he became a hard-working and stalwart companion over the years. So both Paul and Barnabas had a task from God. Paul was to again take the gospel out, but Barnabas, Barnabas had Mark as a mission. He was to invest in that man's life. And so Paul and Barnabas both did what they were supposed to, and God blessed both journeys. What they didn't do so well, though, was recognizing that God had called them to different paths. Paul naturally wanted to work with Barnabas again because they'd known each other for many, many years and they worked well together. Barnabas naturally wanted to give Mark another chance because we saw, because he saw the good in the man and wanted perhaps to prove to Paul that Mark had changed. And this is such a great lesson for us because I don't know about you, but I have faced a number of situations in my life where I've been told by other Christians that what I'm doing can't be right because that's not what God told them to do. And I know I've been critical of other Christians' ministries because I'm like, well, God never called me to do something like that. And what we can learn from this is that God doesn't call you to do my task, and he doesn't call me to do your task. And sometimes He may call two people who work together a lot to part ways and work on different ministries, to go different places in life. In those times, when we're certain that God is called of what God is calling us to do, but there's tension with other people, we need to step back. Don't keep forcing it and arguing like Paul and Barnabas did. They forced the issue until they were so angry that they split ways on poor terms. Later it appears they worked things out, and certainly after Mark turned out so well, but initially, there was not peace between them. And it's tough to reconcile that kind of situation, because neither could say, maybe I'm wrong and you're right. Both these men were so experienced in walking the path God laid out for them, Both had such a close relationship with the Holy Spirit that I don't doubt that they were both 100% certain of what God was saying. But they had one detail wrong. They thought they needed to continue working together. And because of that detail, they clashed badly. 
So if we face situations like this, we should take a step back. And rather than forcing the issue, we should be praying. Praying with the person we're at tension with. Because we can both be asking for humility and wisdom. If we are seeking to honor God, he will guide us on his path, just like he did with Paul and Barnabas. The fact that they fought was not God's fault. It was their own. And that's what I want to challenge us with this week. When faced with a difference of opinion with fellow believers, instead of trying to argue it out, if tension is rising, instead stop and pray. If you need to take time away from that person to clear your head and pray, do so. But this is important. Don't just be praying, God, show them that they're wrong and I'm right. Because the thing is, you might both be right. Or you might both be wrong. That happens too. And so we need to respect that. And instead of trying to convince people in disagreement with us over God's guidance that they're wrong, be working to try find out why God is leading us differently and work to fulfill that purpose and have peace between us and whoever we're in disagreement with. Of course, that can be really tricky if you happen to be married to the person you're in disagreement with. But that's even more reason to really be taking the time to pray and converse, to not turn it into a fight, but to lovingly be working together to discover God's will and work out how both parties can follow him in what he calls each of them to do. It can be really, really complicated, but time in God's word, time in prayer is so important to helping work through situations like that. And I keep coming back to prayer as a solution for when we don't know what to do or when things are going wrong and when things are going right. But the reason I do is because it's honestly the best thing we can do most of the time. And again, time with God is never wasted time. Thank you for joining me today on God's Word Today's World. If you'd like to view the show notes or leave a comment, you can find the complete list of all podcast episodes over at www.godswordtodaysworld.com forward slash listen. Hope to see you next week. Now go apply God's Word to your life.